Welcome back to Tequila She Wrote, a podcast about true crime and cocktails. I'm Sloan, your bartender today. And I'm Trish, your crime tender for today. Today, we are bringing you the story of Ariel Castro. And if you are not aware of that name from the beginning, you will probably recognize the story once we get into it. It is a crazy story about the kidnapping of three very young girls, and he held them captive for years. And it's I, we will get into it. So I will leave it (laughs) at that for the intro. So uh, grab your cocktail. You're going to need it and buckle up for the hot mess express. Toot toot. Beep beep. So for today's drink of the day, I decided to do the uh, Sex Me Up Cowboy. (laughs) Last time I did the buttery nipple, this is the same thing. You just add tequila to it. So the buttery nipple was one part uh, Bailey's or Irish cream, one part butterscotch schnapps. And the Sex Me Up Cowboy adds our personal preference of poison, tequila. And so it's just one part, one part, one part again. Like I was telling Trish last week, I can't remember if I said it on the podcast or not, but I know that I said that I drank this a lot in college, but now making this, once I'm a trained bartender, I was making it and I was like, there ain't shit for alcohol content in this shot. (laughs) Like it is pure sugar. So if you feel the same thing about a buttery nipple, try the Sex Me Up Cowboy with tequila instead to give it a little bit more oomph, a little bit more buzz to your day. And I hope you enjoy this drink. I know it sounds a little intimidating. We were both intimidated, but we were both very surprised that the tequila flavor is there, but it is not overpowering by any means. But we hope you enjoy this drink. If you do, let us know on our socials. We have Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Tequila She Wrote across the board. We also found out this last week that our Patreon has not been working like we've been telling you. So if you can't find us through the search function, you can find us through our social medias. We have our link tree set up and there is a direct link to the Patreon. Or if you just type in patreon.com backslash tequila she wrote, it will take you directly to our Patreon. We um, have like as little as $2 a month where you can support no, us. We don't usually do that. But it's fine. That's yeah, like. but we were already talking about it. So I just figured like it was a good spot. <laughs> but for like as little as $2 a month, you can help support us on Patreon. We have different tiers, different bonus episodes, all that sort of stuff. And while we're here talking about these things, let me plug the email. We have right. tequila she wrote at gmail.com. You can send down send in cocktail recipe suggestions, case recommendations, anything you want to say to us. If you just want to chat, if you want to talk about the case that you're currently listening to, something that you listened to a few weeks ago, we are open to any and all um communications with you. Mm-hmm. We love y'all. We hope you love us too. And with that, we'll kick you off to the episode. Welcome back to another crime with your crime tender, Trish. All right, so <laughs> try this again. I would keep that in. That was funny as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I opened my phone and it was the video that I sent our friend group chat because my birthday because <laughs> my birthday is this weekend and I found a TikTok and it's this woman wearing basically a beer pong table on her shirt so i sent it to our group chat saying who's gonna wear this for my birthday this weekend <laughs> so i do apologize if you heard that little do that thing uh, mommy make it roll. we will proceed with the case now oh jesus all right so like i said i'm your crime tender trish and today as you heard in our intro we are doing the case of ariel castro which, like I said, if you don't know that name, I'm sure you've just maybe blocked it out and don't just remember the name, but you definitely know the story. Or you've just been living under a rock and don't know this. <laughs> um, but either way, we're going to teach you about it, maybe inform you on some new things. Or maybe we're your first venture into the true crime, crime community, in which case, welcome to being true crime freaks with us. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> 
All right. So a little bit about Ariel. He was, at least in the Cleveland area and like your true crime community. And that was the day that news out of Cleveland, Ohio shocked everyone when it was announced Amanda Berry, Gina DeJesus, and Michelle Knight were found alive. These women had been missing for 10 years. As an entire decade of their life missing. Yeah. Of their very young lives. Yes. These women had been held captive in a house in Cleveland on Seymour Avenue. And another shocking piece of information was that Amanda had a six-year-old daughter that was fathered by the owner of the house and their captor, Ariel Castro. Now, a little bit about Castro himself. He was born in Puerto Rico on July 10th of 1960. His parents divorced when he was young. He moved to the mainland with his mother and three siblings. They lived in Reading. It looks like Reading, but it's pronounced Reading, Pennsylvania, before finally moving to Cleveland. Castro's father also moved to the mainland, and he was already in Cleveland, along with a lot of his family members. Um, Ariel had nine siblings total. Some were full, some were half-siblings. I mean, felt, that's, that's kind of how my family is. Mm-hmm. He graduated from Lincoln West High School in 1979. He met his girlfriend. It also had a 760-square-foot unfinished basement built in 1890 and was remodeled in 1956, so it's a older house. Mm-hmm. Grimilda's sister said things went south when they moved into their new home, as things normally do. You never truly know a person until you live with them. <laughs> True. <laughs> you find out all sorts of things and some things you don't want to know. <laughs> yep. That goes for roommates, life partners, <laughs> all involved. Anything. I've uh, had roommates and life partners. <laughs> Her sister says that Castro beat Grimilda, mm-hmm. claims that he broke her nose, ribs, arms caused a blood clot on her brain that resulted in an inoperable tumor. Mm-hmm. So he's a great guy, you know? Oh, Just yeah. Upstanding. Why, why would anybody ever want to leave him? <laughs> Can't imagine. <laughs> he also threw her down the stairs, cracking her skull, which is probably also the blood clot and everything. Yeah. In 1993, Castro was arrested for domestic violence, but not indicted by a grand jury. Grimilda moved out of the house in 1996. So, in 2005, Grimilda finally filed charges in Cuyahoga County Domestic Relations Court. Again, girl, you late to the game. A little too late. But also, still she did it. Yeah. Many do not. So. She accused Castro of inflicting multiple severe injuries on her and frequently abducted their daughters. A pattern, you say. A pattern (laughs) emerges. Uh, But she was granted a temporary restraining order against Castro, but it was dismissed a few months later. Grimilda unfortunately died in April of... 2012 from complications from her brain tumor which is a very like it's very sad to think that you know she wasn't with him when she died but still he caused her death yeah as much of this as much as the story is about him and like just him just being this monster the real story i want to tell is about these three women because as much as we love our true crime and that I do love a good victim recovery outcome all that so yes I did focus on Ariel in that but a lot of this is also going to talk about these three women 
So the first one that went missing was Michelle Knight. She was 21 when she went missing on August 23rd, 2002. She's the one that breaks my heart the most. Yes. She, uh, this girl, even though she gets the least amount of, like, coverage and everything, she just, uh, she just pulls at my heartstrings. At the time she went missing, she had a two-year-old son who, at the time, she had lost custody of to the state. The day she went missing, she was actually on her way to court for a scheduled custody hearing for her son, and she never made it. The last time she had been seen was when she was at her cousin's house, and she apparently she was walking to the courthouse. I don't know. I don't remember if it's because she didn't have a license or a car or what it was. She was walking, and that's when uh, good old Ariel stumbled upon her. So when she wrong went place, wrong time. Yes. When she went missing, she wasn't an adult. So local police believe she left on her own, which I always hate when they assume that. It's understandable because you don't want to waste resources, but also like I feel like it gets jumped to the conclusion way too easily. Yeah. And that's not something it's kind of like how you don't know how you're going to respond whenever you're in a traumatic situation. Like, if it's your significant other or your kid that is the one that's missing, it's kind of the same for the cops. Like, I can sit here and say what I would do as a cop, but I don't actually know because I'm not a cop. I'm not in that position to make that call. Yeah. It's just, I hate when they are like, oh, they're an adult. Yeah. They can make their own decisions. They ran away. You you don't know that. Yeah. <laughs> but... Also, we understand it. it. Yes. They chalked it up to stress or anger over losing custody for her son. But here's my thing. She's literally on her way to court to get back custody. So why would she leave? Mm -hmm. If that's your reason for not looking for her. Yeah. Why Why would you? Just, I, yeah. It makes no sense. She was building a future, and you're saying she just walked away from that whole future that she was trying to build. Yes. So, because police deemed her basically a runaway, there wasn't really an extensive search for her on their effort. And then the next of the victims to disappear was Amanda Berry. Mm -hmm. She went missing on April 21st, the day before her 17th birthday. She had called her sister to tell her she had been offered a ride home from her job at Burger King. Investigators originally thought she was a runaway too, but her mother insisted she would never run away, especially right before her birthday. Which, I mean... Same. Right? <laughs> I want my presents and then I'll run away. A week after she went missing, her mom received a phone call that changed everything. The call was from a man that said, I have Amanda. She's fine and will be coming home in a couple of days. Her mom first thought the call was a prank. Amanda's photo had been shown on TV that day and she thought someone was just calling as some sort of a cruel prank. Investigators, though, determined that the call came from Amanda's cell phone. After this, the FBI no longer believed that Amanda was a runaway. Sadly, in 2006, Amanda's mother did die from heart failure, and she never knew the fate of her daughter, which is another, like, all three of these women, like, their stories just, like, break my heart. Michelle's, we'll get into it, like, she definitely breaks mine the most, but also oh, Amanda's story pulls at my heartstrings because you know, her mom was always such a big, like, advocate for her and, like, keeping searching for her. And then the fact that she died before she was found. Mm -hmm. So the next of the three victims to be kidnapped was Gina DeJesus. She went missing on April 2nd, 2004. She was 14 at the time. A baby. So he went from someone that's 21 to 17 to now 14. She was walking home from school when she went missing. Gina's mom had given her money to take a public bus home and Gina just elected to walk instead. Mm -hmm. 
An important note was that Gina was actually friends with Castro's daughter, Arlene. Like, dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's why she trusted him. Yeah. Shortly before she disappeared, Gina and Arlene had called Arlene's mother, Grimilda, for permission to have a sleepover at Gina's. They were told no, and the two girls parted ways. It was later reported that Gina had thought Castro was picking her up to take her home. Sick bastard. <laughs> she trusted him because she was friends with his daughter. There were no witnesses to her abduction, and there was actually no Amber Alert ever sent out for her. That doesn't surprise me, knowing what I know about like the area that this happened in. Yeah. Cleveland's, depending on what part you're in, it's just not the greatest. It has since changed over the years, but it's just, yeah. So, investigators didn't know if Gina's disappearance was connected to Amanda's. A year after Gina went missing, the FBI released a composite sketch and description of a male suspect. Which is strange when they originally said there were no, like, witnesses so how do you have this supposed sketch mm -hmm. but it, it never really gets explained but she's the only one that has this sketch like attached to it the male suspect in question <laughs> was described as latino 25 to 35 years old 510 165 to 185 pounds with green eyes, a goatee, and possibly a pencil-thin beard. And Castro, yes, he's Latino, but according to court records, he was 5'7", so not 5'10". Mm -hmm. <laughs> he weighed 179 pounds, which falls in the weight, but he has brown eyes and a goatee. So clearly not quite falling in the... Yeah. He's also older than the suspected age range. Well, I guess at the time he was, because 10 years, because at the time of like his arrest, he was like in his 50s. So he'd be like kind of right at the top end of the spectrum. So Gina and Amanda were always kind of interconnected. It wasn't like completely like in what is the word um they weren't like they weren't like for sure like yes these two women were captured by the same person but they were like yeah. there's some similarities and stuff and then poor michelle was just kind of forgotten about mm -hmm. amanda's disappearance was actually featured on america's most wanted in 2004 and it re-aired in 2005 and 2006. And this is kind of when they started linking her to Gina. And they were both, like, profiled on Oprah and Montel mm -hmm. Williams. Good after school watches for me. Um, after... Nope, oh, sorry. Misreading my stuff again. <laughs> A self-proclaimed psychic named Sylvia Brown told Amanda's mother that she was dead and in the water somewhere, which wasn't true. Yep. And just furthered the heartbreak. Yeah. It was just, obviously it was devastating for her mom, but she never gave up search for her, which good for you, mom. Yeah. Good for you. July, 2012, a prison inmate, Robert, Wolfwer, I can't, I'm not going to be able to say this. It's just one of those letterings of that those I things. can't do. But Wolford mm -hmm. <laughs> claimed to have information about the location of Amanda's body. So again, someone else jumping on information. Yeah. And is why police are so like cagey with what they release. 
He led police to an empty lot on Cleveland's west side, which led to a search of the area that gave them nothing. In July 2013, he was sentenced to four and a half years in prison for obstruction of justice, making a false report, and making a false alarm. The investigation for Michelle is criticized, like I said, because one... It just, it got written off so quickly. They just were like, oh, she ran away. And they didn't even really search for her. Also, it's sad because, like, her family wasn't really looking for her either. Like, it's just, it's so, like I said, it's heartbreaking. But some of the reasons it's also criticized is because she was subsequently removed from national crime information center database 15 months after she went to like, she went missing, mm-hmm. which she I don't wasn't found. So it, why was she removed from it, the missing person? Yeah. Database? It makes no sense. So this made her basically unknown prior to her rescue. Amanda and Gina's disappearances received regular media attention. Vigils were held for them, and Castro even attended at least two of them. Which... I'm sure he did. Yeah. Which, I mean, if you know anything about true crime, you know that usually the murderer or, like, kidnapper, someone, like, basically whoever committed the crime is usually starts feeling, like, they yeah. need to be seen. So or they, they want to see if they can figure out what other people know. Yeah. It's like they want to be seen so they don't be looked at as a suspect. But also they want to know what people know. So they know if they need to basically hightail it out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, so along with attending these vigils, he... Also reportedly participated in search parties and tried to get close to Gina's family. Again, typical behavior. Castro's son was a journalism student in 2004 and actually he interviewed Gina's mom for an article in the Plain Press newspaper. The investigation was kept open and police offered a $25,000 reward for information. So this next part I'm about to get into is more about the captivity of the girls. So this might be a little bit of a trigger. So trigger warning. You might need to uh, fast forward a little bit if you don't want to hear these details because some of them are a little, uh, little much, but this is your trigger warning. Um, I just gotta find where I left off. There we go. So once he he captured each victim, he took them to the upper floor of his house, tied their hands and feet together, and pulled them up using their hands, feet, and neck. He then left them there for three days without food. Diaries from the victims talk about forced sexual conduct, being locked in a dark room, anticipating the next session of abuse, dreams of someday escaping and being reunited with their family. They also talked about being chained to a wall, of being held like a prisoner of war, of missing their lives they once enjoyed, of emotional abuse, of threats for him to kill them, being treated like animals, continued abuse, and a desire for freedom. They were kept in locked bedrooms and forced to use plastic toilets that were very rarely emptied. They were fed one meal a day and allowed to shower twice a week at most. Michelle told police she had been impregnated by Castro at least five times. She endured miscarriages each time through beatings, hitting her with dumbbells, punching her, slamming her against walls. He also starved her. Um, 
Michelle's grandmother told reporters later that she needed facial reconstruction surgery due to the beatings and that she had lost hearing in one of her ears. At one point, Michelle had a dog during her captivity, but Castro killed it by snapping its neck after it bit him while it tried to protect her. Good dog. Right? poor dog. Right? I also want to know how she ended up with this dog. Like, did he give it to her? I don't... I don't... From what I remember, he kind of trusted Amanda to be the only one to leave the house and come back if he did trust somebody. And he didn't really trust them. So, maybe she was let out of the house and found it. Or maybe the dog wandered up to the house while she was kind of out in the front yard. Because I really don't see him... Being like, oh, here's an animal for yeah. something else for me to take care of. Much less do I see him giving it to her yeah. whenever she seemed to be. I feel like it's been addressed in like a documentary or like a movie I watched, but I don't quite remember it. I've seen this on so many different things. Like there's so many different yeah. investigation discovery things about it. There's a 2020 episode about this. Like she said, there's like Oprah interviews. I've watched so much stuff on this and I've listened to so many different podcasts about it that the information kind of like runs together. Yeah. So Gina said that she was raped but didn't think she was ever impregnated. And as you recall, Gina is the youngest of the three. Mm-hmm. On Christmas 2006, Castro allegedly ordered Michelle to assist in the birth of Amanda's baby and told her he would kill her if the baby didn't survive. Castro occasionally took Amanda and his daughter out of the house, including to visit his mother. He never really took her anywhere, like, in public where she would possibly be seen and be, like, exposed. (laughs) But, like, he was... She was the only one Mm -hmm. that he really... Gave favoritism to, I guess you could say. In 2013, he showed a picture of the girl to one of his adult daughters, claiming her to be his girlfriend's daughter from a previous relationship. He told others that she was his granddaughter. So, like, he had all of his bases covered, so no one could just possibly question why he would have this random little girl. Yeah. So these poor girls probably, like... Especially because Amanda was given so much freedom. She probably like, oh my god, police are here. We're finally. And then. Yeah. But she was also worried about her daughter. And also, he locked them in so that they couldn't even, like, couldn't open windows. All the doors were, like, double locked. Like, there was an inside lock. There was outside locks. Like. Yeah. It's just, it's crazy. the, The, like, lengths he went to. He wanted to keep a secret. Yep. It's crazy from the outside looking in, but he did whatever he had to to protect the lies that he was building his life on. Yes. So, neighbors claimed to have called police to report suspicious activity at the home. Police say there is no record of such calls, though. Castro's son, Anthony, reported that certain areas in the house were inaccessible due to being locked. So that's just like another sick thing is yeah. the fact that like he had he had family in that over mm-hmm. and they like the girls were so like threatened and scared that even though they heard people, they knew they had to be quiet. Yeah. Um, he also said that three weeks prior to the women's escape, Castro asked him if Amanda would ever be found. I don't know if you want to call that, like, paranoia or if he's just so convinced at this point that he doesn't care if he's talking about, like, the women that he has Mm -hmm. in his custody. He's just like, "Eh, no one's going to think it's me. Mm -hmm. So Anthony actually responded to the question of whether Amanda would ever be found by saying that she was likely dead. And Castro said, really? You think so? Smug bastard. <laughs> yes. that That's a much nicer version of what's going on in my head. 
When Castro was arrested after the rescue of the girls during the interrogation, he recalled each of their abductions in great detail. He said they were unplanned crimes of opportunity. He claims to have never had an exit plan and believed one day he would just be caught. He referred to himself as cold, yeah, as cold-blooded and a sex addict. Police found a suicide note in the house that discussed the abductions and wrote that his money and possessions should be given to the kidnapped women if they were caught. May 6, 2013, like it says, the day that they, the girls were finally able to escape. Amanda Berry was finally able to make contact with Castro's neighbors. She was able to escape with her six-year-old daughter. This led to the rescue of Gina and Michelle by authorities. According to police, when Castro left that day, Amanda realized that he failed to lock the big inside door. But the, like, storm door was bolted, so she could only do so much. But... She was able to still make contact with the outside, which at first she was like very hesitant to. Ugh, I cannot speak. She was like first very hesitant about because she thought this was some sort of test because he had previously tried to test all of them by leaving like random things partially unlocked to see if they would try to escape. And if they did, he would beat them. So it's kind of like a Stockholm. Yeah. Sore situation. He made them believe that there was no way out. Yes. So Amanda decided that she would scream for help and when she like when she saw neighbors. So the first neighbor that actually kind of responded and heard the cries for help was Angel Cordero. And he wasn't really able to fully communicate with her because he spoke very little English. So, like, the area that this takes place in is all, is a very, like, predominant Mexican-American community. Yeah. You have a lot of immigrants and families that, you know, maybe they've lived there a while and they've just brought family like, they've gone through the whole thing. So, it's a very Spanish-speaking area. So, like I said, good old Angel is the first one to find Amanda. And he spoke very little English. And, it all, it, like, it gets very skewed in different things. I don't know if, like, he went and got help or if someone else heard Amanda's crimes. But another neighbor by the name of Charles Ramsey joined him in this rescue mm -hmm. and together they kicked a hole through the bottom of the storm door and Amanda and her daughter crawled out and she told Charles that she and her daughter were being held inside the house against their will and she went to another neighbor's house to call 911. When she called 911 she told them help me I've been kidnapped and I've been missing for 10 years. I'm here. I'm free now. When, Finally. Right? When police responded to the call, they walked through Castro's house. They walked through the upstairs hallway with guns and announced themselves as Cleveland police. And in different, like, movies and stuff I've watched, you know... Everyone's like, well, why wasn't Michelle and Gina, like, out there, like, right away? They were very skeptical that it was actually police. They, again, thought it was maybe a test. Mm -hmm. But Michelle finally pokes her head slightly, like, pokes her head out of a slightly open bedroom door. And when she saw officers, she leaped into one of their, like, one of their arms. She kept saying over and over... You saved me. Gina soon realized that it was safe and she too poked her head out of a different room. And once they all walked out of the house, all three girls plus Amanda's daughter were taken to Metro Health Medical Center. Gina and Amanda were released the next day. Michelle was released four days later on May 10th. 
And like I said last week, when I did the case of Ashley Summers, many thought that Castro could have been responsible for her disappearance, but like I said, there was never any connection made. There was no proof that he had ever taken her or anything. Also, the girls said they never saw another girl get brought in. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, now that we're done with all that, it is time for justice. <laughs> so, on May 6, 2013, Ariel Castro was finally arrested. On May 8th, he was charged with four counts of kidnapping and three counts of rape. And these charges alone carry 10 to life in Ohio. Two of his brothers were also taken into custody, but were, were released on the 9th. As it was announced, they had no involvement in the case. Castro's first court appearance was on May 9th, where bail was set at $2 million per kidnapping charge, making him sit at a whopping $8 million bail. Prosecutors were seeking the death penalty for Castro. Meanwhile, other charges were still pending. These charges were ones such as aggravated murder for the miscarriages suffered by his hands, attempted murder, assault, and a charge for each case of rape, and a kidnapping charge for every day each victim was held hostage. May 14th, his attorneys said they would plead not guilty to all charges if, in, if indicted for kidnapping and rape. A grand jury returned a bill of indictment on, like, for him on June 7th. This contained 329 counts and two counts of aggravated murder. These indictments only covered a period from August 2002 to February 2007 because the other part of it was still being investigated, but they had to get something out. Yeah. So, Timothy McGinty said the investigation was ongoing and any findings would be presented to the grand jury. On June 12th, Castro's attorneys filed his not guilty plea and one of them named Craig Win- Wintrab. I'm gonna butcher it, but okay. Said that even though some of the charges were indisputable, no duh, it is our hope that we can continue to work toward a resolution to avoid having an unnecessary trial about aggravated murder and the death penalty. Fuck you, dude. <laughs> you are somebody that gives lawyers a bad name. Yeah. Lawyers. I always think of. Uh... <laughs> Jim Carrey in a big fat liar. I fucking love that movie. Me and my, my lawyers. Me and my sister can quote that movie word for word. Slash. Also, Medea says it. <laughs> uh, uh, is it big? I don't remember. Diary of Mad Black Woman, maybe. Maybe. But she's like, you need to get yourself a lawyer, honey. You need to get yourself a lawyer. <sighs> and if you don't know me. You should know that Medea's word is motherfucking law. (laughs) Oh, gosh. So, his lawyer continued with, We are very sensitive to the emotional strain and impact that a trial would have on the women, their families, and this community. No the fuck you aren't, dude. (sighs) They are in a bad place because of Ariel Castro. Right? Like... Not because of the trial, not because of the charges, but because this man kidnapped them and held them hostage for years. Yeah. It, uh. They want their peace. They want him put away. Like, <laughs> Right? The disservice was the whole kidnapping part, not the trial part. Yeah. Like, yes, the trial is hard, too. I I get that. Please don't come for us. Like, I do get that. But, okay. Yeah, it's just, ugh. So, July 3rd, Castro was ruled competent to stand trial. Like, I do remember they tried to be like, well, is he even mentally stable enough? 
That's always step one. And I'm like, in defense. Dude. It's always <laughs> step one. You got to go for it. Yeah. So, July 12th, the grand jury gave a true bill of his indictments for the period after February 2007, bringing his grand total to 977 counts. Dude, even if you're convicted of half of that, you go into jail forever. So, these 977 counts break down to 512 kidnapping charges. 446 rape charges, 7 for gross sexual imposition, 6 for felonious assault, 3 child endangerment charges, 2 aggravated murder, and 1 possession of criminal tools. I didn't hear the charge for being an awful fucking human being. (laughs) That's all of them. An awful human being. Yes. So, July 17th, Castro again pleaded not guilty to the expanded indictment. He faced death by lethal injection if convicted. On July 26th, Castro pleaded guilty, finally, to 937 of the 977 charges as part of a plea bargain. It called for consecutive life sentences in prison plus 1,000 years, all without parole. So basically, it was his way of getting out of death penalty. Yeah. But still being like, all right, he's never getting out. He also forfeited his right to appeal and couldn't profit in any way due to his crimes. He also forfeited his assets, including the house, which was to be demolished. The law firm representing the women released a statement saying they were relieved with the plea and basically said that they were ready to just be done with these proceedings all in general and just like bring this chapter of their life to a close. August 1st was the sentencing hearing for Castro where he was sentenced with his plea deal. He also had to pay a fine of $100,000. All of his assets and property were forfeited to Cuyahoga County government. Before his sentencing, Castro addressed the court for almost 20 minutes, telling them he was a good person and not a monster, and that he was addicted to sex and pornography, and that he had practiced the art of masturbation from a young age. Say it however you want, dude. You're still a you're fucking a sick... awful human being. I was going to say, you're still a sick fuck. <laughs> yes. He claimed he never beat and tortured the women and that most of the sex was actually consensual. Bullshit. Right? <laughs> he, wa- he both apologized and blamed the M- FBI for failing to catch him and blamed his victims for gaining a car with a stranger. Okay, but let's talk about the one girl that knew that you were her daughter, like, you were her friend's father, so she trusted you, so you were not a stranger. Make that make sense. Yep. Make that make sense. He's just trying to, you know, basically clear his own conscience. At some points, I kind of wish that y'all could see us recording, but then at (laughs) other points, I'm one of those people that I talk with my hands. Like, the other night at work, one of my co-workers, he saw me talking, and he was like, Sloan, are you rapping right now? And I was like, <laughs> no, I'm talking. And he goes, well, you were just doing the hand movements, and I go... Anytime anybody brings it up to me, I'm like, I'm fucking Italian, okay? It's what I do. I go, Petway, you've worked with me, <laughs> with me for five years, and you just realized that I talk with my hands. Of course it was Petway. <laughs> <laughs> I hate him. Oh, we love Mr. him. Mr. Petway. We love him. Him and his old ass. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Where were we? (laughs) Getting back to the story. Uh, So yeah, he tried to blame the victims for getting into his car, even though he was a stranger. Which, dude, you weren't. But whatever. To at least one of them. Yeah. He also told the court that 
when he had sex with the girls, they weren't virgins. Why does it fucking matter? Consensual sex is a thing. It doesn't matter if my hymen's been broken or not. If I don't consent to have sex with you, I don't want to have sex with you. You're not, you don't have a right to have sex with somebody just because they've already had sex before. Yep. It, yeah, like, oh, I hate when people do that. They're like, but they weren't a virgin. Okay. Just because I've had sex does not mean that you get to just do what you want. Consent is still important. So... He said he hoped his victims could forgive him because they had a lot of harmony in the home. And Michelle actually attended the sentencing and spoke at it. And again, she breaks my heart. Well, I want to say But I love how strong she fucking is. I want to say Michelle is the only one that keeps showing yes. up. Yes. Yeah. She's the one that's more outspoken. The other two, I get into it. They're, they, they try to live a more private life not being associated with it mm-hmm. but like I said she actually spoke at the sentencing and said you took 11 years of my life away I spent 11 years in hell now your hell is just beginning I will overcome all that has happened but you will face hell for eternity I will live on you will die a little every day as you think of the 11 years of atrocities that you inflicted on us. I can forgive you, but I will never forget. Strong fucking ass woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on July 9th, 2013, the women released a statement thanking the public for their support. And like we said, Amanda and Gina at the time wished to have their privacy and weren't speaking to media outlets. A fund was actually set up for the victims to help transition them from their captivity to an independent life. At the time of like their statement being released, it had amassed $1.05 million. Split between three. It's not a great deal, yeah. but it's, it's enough that it will get them set up. Michelle did a few interviews and legally changed her name to Lily Rose Lee. Lee is actually her son's middle name. She also got several tattoos and piercings as her way of coping. Same. Right? I was like, same, girl. (laughs) Give me all the tattoos and piercings, please. Her son had been adopted by a foster family while she was held captive, and she wished to see him, but decided that it would probably be better to wait Till he was an adult, just because she didn't want to undo anything yeah. that had been done. Which, again, strong-ass woman. She did write a book called Finding Me about her experience. And in this book, she actually never once mentions Castro by name. She said he doesn't deserve a name. He hated that she would call him dude because it didn't acknowledge him as a person. <laughs> So that's kind of her way of giving him a middle finger yet again. (laughs) I like her. Yep. Amanda and Gina got honorary diplomas from John Marshall High School in 2015. Gina actually started volunteering for the Amber Alert Community and offered support for families and abducted children. Um... Amanda, in February of 2007, joined Fox affiliate WJW in Cleveland, where she hosts a short segment where she reports missing persons cases. In April of 2019, she actually reunited with Charles Ramsey at an interview for WJW. This was six years after she was rescued. On August 7, 2013, The house on Seymour was demolished. Michelle was there and passed out yellow balloons to be released to represent missing children. And Gina's aunt was the one that actually got to make the first swing at the house with the crane. Good. Now, you're probably wondering what happened to good old Ariel. Is he still rotting in jail? Unfortunately, on the evening of September 3rd, 2013... 
Castro was found hanging from a bedsheet in his cell one month into his sentence. Just like the coward he is. Right? I was like, fucking coward. He was 53. Staff performed CPR and he was transported to University Wexner Medical Center where he was pronounced dead. An autopsy ruled his death as suicide by hanging, but in October they do kind of mention the fact that maybe his death was an accidental death from autoerotic asphyxiation. Either way, he took the coward's way out. And Castro was actually cremated, which I don't know if that was a wish by him, but I don't care what you want to do. You don't deserve anything. As far as I know, all three women just, they haven't really kept that much in touch. Some have kept in touch a little more than others, but they have since tried to kind of move on with their lives. Michelle did actually get married and that, and like I said, I couldn't find anything saying if Amanda and Gina had gotten married. They may have, they may have not. Um, It's just very... They're trying to stay private. We understand that. But I remember this case so vividly. It was, as as an Ohioan, I remember, like, when they were discovered, what, I was in, I was in college, I believe, right? Because they were discovered, yeah, 2013. I was, I was... In Cincinnati, but I remember when they went missing, I was still in high school. But it was just... This case is just crazy. And when you... There's a lot... There's a few more details and stuff. But like I said, it's like a lot of the stuff try to focus more on him. And I didn't want to focus on him. I wanted to focus on the girls. Yeah. So if you're interested and more definitely look it up yourself we try to do these cases to just you know give you the information but also maybe get you interested to look it up more yourself but that is our case we will go ahead and kick you off to the last call and we hope you enjoyed it welcome back to another last call with your bartender sloan today i am bringing you bringing you Dumb stories from the South. That was a tongue twister. (laughs) So first, we're going to talk about an Alabama man. Oh, God. Who called a wrecker service asking to have a 70-ton crane pulled out of the woods, only to find out that the crane was stolen. (laughs) Yay, Alabama! Woo! Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) So... The owner of a towing service contacted the county sheriff's office this past Monday saying a man had called him claiming someone gave him the crane and he wanted it removed so he could sell it for scrap money. So the record service owner actually recalled removing this same crane a few years before. So he contacted the known owner and asked him, hey, did you sell or give this crane away? And that owner was like, "Uh, no, I did not. (laughs) And so the towing operator then called law enforcement and the man who wanted the crane moved fled before the officers arrived on the scene. And then he drove the crane into a ditch where it became struck. Where it became stuck. (laughs) Where it became stuck. I had a lot of shots test tasting. Okay. A lot of shots. So the 26-year-old Clanton man was arrested Tuesday on probation violation and first-degree theft charges. Great guy. Great guy. Oh, God. Yay, Alabama. My second story that I have for you today is Florida man calls police to check whether his meth is authentic or not. (laughs) Oh, how dumb do you, or high, do you <laughs> have to be say. 
Police from Hernando County Sheriff's Office said Thomas Eugene Kalusi Kalusi was concerned about drugs he had recently purchased. Why on God's green earth would you notify authorities about your allegedly illegal activities is beyond us. But he had a pressing question he needed answered. Is this legit? Now, I've bought a lot of drugs in my day, but I have never called the fucking cops to verify whether it's legit or not. Step numero uno of being a dumbass. So, the 41-year-old called 911 and asked them to come and test the drugs he had just bought from someone at a bar. He tested it himself, but he was worried it was bath salts (laughs) because it didn't give him the high he was used to. Oh my god. He then really dug himself into a hole when he told officers he was an experienced drug user who had used meth before and therefore he knew what it should feel like. So, clearly this dude went to jail. Clearly. And then my last little interesting tidbit from the South is, I have not heard this one. I'm pretty big on conspiracy theories like y'all already kind of know that I like playing devil's advocate and I just like tossing around theories in my head and it's not whether or not I believe them I just find conspiracy theories very intriguing so this is one that I had not stumbled upon I feel like I've heard whispers of it but I had not read into depth about it but did you know that Disney supposedly created Frozen as a distraction I mean, it's actually because before Frozen came out, like I remember a lot of people getting more and more into the idea that Walt Disney had frozen himself because he wanted to be unfrozen around 2020. And so what was it? 2018 is when Frozen came out, 2017, somewhere around there. I think so. And people say, well, the conspiracy, conspiracy theorists say that Disney created Frozen, so whenever people would go online to Google Walt Disney's Frozen Body, or Walt Disney Frozen, or Disney Frozen, or anything like that, all of these Frozen movie Google searches are going to show up instead. So, like, I don't know. I don't know. What do we think? Do we think that Frozen was a distraction? Do we think Walt Disney is actually frozen and waiting to be unfrozen like Austin Powers? Like, I don't know. I find it all interesting. Toss these ideas around in the snogging all day and wanted to share with y'all. So I hope you enjoyed this last call, this episode. I hope you enjoyed the drink we came up with you for today. If you did enjoy this, please remember to rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It really does help us. If you really enjoyed this episode today, share it with a friend that you think would love it too. Yes. We have all of our social medias that are slowly getting caught up. (laughs) Instagram feeds looking really good. TikTok, don't visit it. But (laughs) Facebook, Twitter, they're all tequila she wrote across the board. You can also email us at tequila she wrote at gmail.com. If you have any case recommendations, drink suggestions, tequila suggestions, If you just want to send us a, hey, what's up? I love your show. Hey, what's up? I think you could do this better. We just want to hear from you. We love talking with each other slash with you each week. And we would love to hear more from you back. We also have our Patreon set up, which I found that this week, the easiest way to get to it is by either visiting our link tree, which has a direct link to it. Or you can go on patreon.com backslash the uh, tequila she wrote and should take backslash tequila she wrote, not the tequila. Yeah, but patreon.com backslash tequila Tequila she she wrote. wrote. It should take you directly there. Again, if you have problems, just let us know. (laughs) We'll help you out. Once again, we just want to hear from you. So, like, if you can't find us on something, Send it to the email. We'll try to help you out the best we can. We're learning as we're going. We just started this as a fun hobby, something that we enjoy doing together. And we wanted to share it with the world. And so, yeah, uh, feel free to share back with us. Let us know if you're having problems. Let us know if you have suggestions. Let us know if we're doing great because everybody loves a gold star every now and then. (laughs) But until next time, we post Tuesdays and Fridays too. Until next time. (laughs)
Thanks for riding on the Hot Mess Express. Toot toot. Beep beep. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.